All right, let's turn to our scripture. We found inside the bulletin. We're taking a brief hop out of Luke, and we're going to Philippians, this classic text, 4.10 through 13. I thought it would be apropos after uh, getting through the Christmas season on contentment. So this is Paul, who's uh, preaching, uh, writing a letter to the Philippians from jail, actually. I rejoiced in the Lord greatly, that now at length you have revived your concern for me. You were indeed concerned for me, but you had no opportunity. Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through him who strengthens me. The word of the Lord. Well, as soon as the service is over, I will change uh, in a phone booth into normal garb, and I will be out the door, and we'll be getting in the car and heading with my family for the, an, uh, the annual pilgrimage to grandmother's house. Uh, think Charlie Brown in the back of the station wagon. Uh, we are going to see the family and share Christmas uh, there. And uh, we will be there until the 31st, and then I'm taking my two boys, and we are going to see uh, my parents and my sister, uh, who live in Owasso, Oklahoma. Uh, Oklahoma, I think, is somewhere near Vietnam or Thailand. Uh, we don't exactly know where it is, but nonetheless, we're going to go. Uh, so I'm going to see my dad. I'm excited to see my dad. Um, I don't know if you uh, played this game when you were a kid, but I often played it, which uh, with my friends, which is essentially my dad is stronger than your dad. A great game. I think we have a picture of my dad in his prime here. There's, uh, there's old Zeke Rodriguez uh, in high school uniform. Uh, some have said he bears a certain resemblance to Will the Thrill, my son. My dad is stronger than your dad. Uh, you know, when you're a kid, you think your dad can do anything and everything. I think uh, there's a picture of me with my dad here. This next slide, uh, there's the bewildered look of young Carlos uh, that I continue to this day. Uh, my dad was a college baseball player and played some minor league ball, so uh, being with him was uh, great. Um, you know, I, I remember my dad as superhuman growing up. I don't know if you'd ever get on your dad's back and he'd swim out and you'd experience his greatness and you thought, uh, wow, you know, unbelievable. Uh, well, my dad is weakening now and um, he is in the advanced stages of Alzheimer's and uh, he is in a home and so I'm going to go visit him. And, uh, you know, it is a challenging thing. And for many of you who experience difficulties with, uh, you know, parents get older, you realize the truth that no one is immortal or impervious, if you will. My children, as they grow, there was maybe a Superman phase. Maybe there's some vestiges of it still there. But as they grow, they realize that their father is weak and subject to frailties and foibles, and a sinner in need of redemption, just like everybody else. The truth of the matter is, none of us is immortal. None of us is unstoppable. All of us have are subject to the limitations of our humanity, to the curse of sin, 
to the realities and problems of the world we live in. We're not all that. We can't do everything. And yet in the midst of this, Paul has the temerity to say that I can do all things through him who strengthens me. It seems like he is making some sort of superhuman claim. I can do all things through him who gives me strength. Oh, Paul is saying that in the midst of these difficult circumstances, that he can have peace, even in prison. Confidence in God's plan, even when all seems lost. Resources in the midst of scarcity. And contentment in the midst of despair. Paul is speaking of a secret strength. A strength that is for him, and a strength that is for us. God is not calling us to be superhumans, but rather superhumans. Humans with our frailties and foibles who have access to a supernatural power. What is Paul's secret? What is the secret to a Christian? Confidence in the active, dynamic, divine care of his Savior. And this confidence brings contentment. And so that's what we're going to discuss for the next four hours. What is contentment? Contentment comes from confidence in His power and love. So number one, we're going to talk about what is contentment? What exactly is the stuff of contentment? Number two, what's the secret? Paul speaks of it as learning a secret. What is the secret that we must learn? And finally, number three, how do we live the contented life in an uncontented world? Well, let's look at these three points. Number one, what is contentment? Paul begins the section of this letter. In verse 10, I rejoiced in the Lord greatly that now at length you have revived your concern for me, Philippian church. You were indeed concerned for me, but had no opportunity, meaning opportunity to express it in tangible ways. Paul is in prison uh, in Ephesus, we believe, and Paul has been alone in prison, at least from help from the Philippian church. Epaphroditus finally comes. Now, prison then is very different than prison uh, now. You don't receive resources if nobody comes to provide them to you. If no one gives you cloak and clothes, you are cold and naked. No one provides you with food or with funds for food, you starve. You are dependent on outside help. And Paul knows that they were concerned, but there was no opportunity. Did Paul have needs in prison? Yes. Physical, emotional, spiritual. And yet Paul is saying that in the midst of this, he was okay. Verse 11, not that I'm speaking of being in need, for I've learned in whatever situation I am to be content. Not that I'm speaking of being in need, I've learned in whatever situation I am, to be content. This word content in the Greek is the word arches, which is a synonym for the word contained. Content, contained. Think of contained and I think of the word sufficient. I have within me what I need. I have that which I need. It's the same word which we used in the praying the scripture uh, verse 1 Timothy 6.8. But if we have food and clothing, with these we will be contained. Hebrews 13.5 says, Keep your life free from the love of money and be 
contained with what you have, for he has said, I will never leave you nor forsake you. So Paul uses this word arches, but he actually adds something to it. He says, auto arches, I am self-contained, auto being self. I'm self-contained. Within who I am, I have what I need. Now I'm scratching my head as I think about this concept of self-contained because it immediately makes me think about uh, the Stoics. That was a philosophy back in that time. The Stoics, think of someone like uh, Dr. Spock, you know? I'm able to face joy, I'm able, uh, con I'm able to face whatever circumstances sort of with a stiff upper lip, whatever's going on, because I am a rock, I am an island. We know him as the Marlboro Man. I don't know if they still can do ads on the Marlboro Man. Young kids are like, what are you talking about, the Marlboro Man? You know, the cowboy, he needs no one. He needs nothing. He's self-contained. Now, Paul is not talking about that. Paul is not talking about an independent self-contained. He's not talking about stuffing or withdrawing his needs or ignoring them. Rather, he's talking about radical dependence on Christ. That there is someone with him in his self-containment. The God who does not leave them or forsake, forsake him. And within Christ who is in me are all the resources that are necessary. And Paul is using people, external people, and external circumstances to meet my needs. That's the self-containment that he's talking about. Paul says, I have learned to be contained, self-contained. This word learn, by the way, in the Greek, it's a verb that means learned by experience. Paul didn't know it in the beginning. It was something that he attained to through the variety of circumstances that God put him through. One of them being in prison. I've learned by experience in whatever situation that there is contentment, self-containment. Now, Paul has experienced some very challenging things. Paul has experienced hunger. He experienced cold. He has experienced desertion. Five times he was uh, beaten, uh, excuse me, he was whipped for his faith, the 40 lashes minus one. He's been beaten with rods. He's been stoned. He's been shipwrecked. He spent a day and a night on the open sea. I know how to be brought Low, says Paul, and I know what it means to abound, to have more than enough. That word, that Greek verb is in the same of the feeding of the 5,000 when there was more than enough. Paul has seen the worst of the worst and he's experienced abundance. But in those things, he's learned that he is not in control. And so he's learned to be contained in both. Paul has discovered that situation does not bring containment. It does not bring contentment. It's a foreign concept in the Bible. Though it's part and parcel of the American dream, isn't it? If I can get enough life, love, liberty, pursuit of uh, property, as Jefferson wanted to put it, 
the pursuit of happiness, if my situation can get to the right place where I have enough, where uh, I have a good job, I have enough money in the bank, I have a house, I have cars, I have friendships, my situation will provide contentment. But Paul knows that isn't true. And if you live long enough, you will know that that isn't true as well. Because contentment is not out there. Contentment is in here. How has Paul learned this? Because life is not a series of accidents. It's a series of appointments and opportunities for God to show Himself faithful. As God says in the Psalms, I will instruct you and teach you in the way you should go. I will counsel you and I will watch over you. And so as Paul has lived his life and been put in situations where he's had to trust in God, he's discovered the sufficiency and the sovereignty of God. You know, my friends, deprivation is part of discipleship. How else can we know that God is enough until God is all that we have. And it's there that we discover that God is sovereign and that He rules over circumstances and that God is sufficient and He gives us manna for the day and He gives us grace for the day. I don't know if you've ever been confronted with the question, if you were stranded on a desert, deserted island, what would you take? First of all, why the heck would I let myself be stranded on a desert island? I wouldn't know what I could take. That's the whole point, right? Rather, if you wanted to take a trip to a deserted island. Well, nevertheless, I'll go along with it. This was a question on Yahoo. You can find such things on the internet. If you were stranded on a deserted island, what would you take? Here are some answers from the peanut gallery. Number one, a fully equipped and provisioned yacht a nice 100-foot model, something I can land a helicopter on, a helicopter to land on my yacht, and my lovely wife. Glad he's a family man. Number two, this person said, Michael Phelps, the gold medal swimmer, a saddle and a gold medal on a stick. Seems like a great way to get home. Michael Phelps, a saddle and a gold medal on a stick. Number three, a two-way radio, Ginger and Marianne. Another person put the Professor Ginger and Marianne. Not sure what to think of that. Number three, long-range Wi-Fi on solar energy, a MacBook, and a 45 caliber pistol. And the list goes on and on and on. What would Paul say? Paul would say, usually the way it works is I'm stranded and I don't have time to figure out what to take with me. Paul would say, the question that you're asking is all wrong, or the answer. Because my contentment is not on what I take, it's on who goes with me. Because when God goes with me, all of the resources that are necessary for me are available. And so, my friends, contentment is confidence. It's not earned, it's learned. And so how do you respond when God strands you on the deserted island? Do you respond frantically? I don't have the right stuff. 
I don't have the training. I don't have the experience. When your friends desert you, are you frantic? Or are you stoic, stuffing it all down? Or are you dependent on God who is with you? We must recognize that each and every situation in our lives, including the one that you are in right now, is a divine appointment and opportunity for God to show Himself faithful in your life. So we must recognize the situation and we must reassign our need. Not in the external situation, not to my strength, but to God. Trusting that God will provide the resources to take care of my needs. And we must wait patiently, responding in obedience when God, to what God calls me to do. And when we do these things, when we live this way, we can rest and experience contentment. Because contentment is confidence that God is sufficient. This brings me to my second point, the secret to a contented life. Paul says, in any and every circumstance, I've learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. Now, you have to ask the question, any and every circumstance, Paul? Have you literally been through any and every circumstance? No, Paul hasn't been through all circumstances, but he's been through enough. He's been through enough to learn the secret. Now, this learn, as I talked about the first learn, which is by experience in the Greek, this learned is a different learn. It actually means to be initiated into secret knowledge. There's a secret here, my friends. It's hidden. Not all Christians necessarily obtain it. It's a mark of maturity, if you will. Whether facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need, I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. Paul's secret is this. He has learned to wrap his circumstances around Christ, not Christ around his circumstances. He has learned to wrap his circumstances around Christ, not Christ around his circumstances. Think of the situations you are experiencing, whether in work. Does my work, does my relationship with Christ, does my life revolve around my work or does my work situation revolve around the one who is my rock and salvation? My business woes or challenges? My marriage difficulties? What about the good things in life? Does my Christianity revolve around my circumstances or do my circumstances revolve around Christianity and Christ? Paul has discovered that they revolve around Christ. And so he says, I can do all things. Not I might. Not I should. But I can do all things. Now it's important to clear up this concept of all things. Because some people take all things and they do think about Superman. Can I leap tall buildings in a single bound? Well, it says I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. Can I... Uh, do, am I impervious to bullets? No. Paul, clearly, if we look in the context, is referring to the circumstances that are before him. 
And many, you know, in difficulty and in abundance, in this situation in prison, in what is facing me right now that God has put me in my path. I can face those circumstances. And I can do all things. What are the circumstances that you are facing? What are the hardest circumstances you've ever faced? Is anyone facing current persecution from someone because of their faith? I know around the world, even now, people continue to meet in secret because of the name of Christ. It's such a dangerous thing to be uttered. I know some of you have experienced and are continuing to deal with cancer. Have you experienced desertion by a spouse? Abuse as a child? Addiction to a substance or a person? These are the circumstances that we find ourselves in. And yet we can find power to face them and thrive in the midst of them. We can find peace not to fear them. Because I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. It's through Christ. The path goes through Christ. You see, my friends, contentment is confidence in motion. We're not supposed to live self-sufficient lives. We're supposed to live God-sufficient lives. I am self-sufficient because He is in me and I am in Him. And He is the way. But my friends, the way must be walked. We had the opportunity as men to go over uh, to the eastern shore to Kiptipeak State Park uh, a couple months ago. It was quite a hoot nanny. And anyone knows to get to the eastern shore, you have to cross... Uh, the Chesapeake Bay, and so you have to take the Bay Bridge Tunnel. Seventeen and a half miles, a miracle of modern engineering, they say. I'm not getting to Kiptipeak unless I walk, unless I drive across that bridge. That bridge is the resource. It is that which is inexhaustible. It is that which gets me across, and I must walk that path of total commitment to it. Because I don't, if I don't have confidence in it, I will not drive my car onto it. Paul is saying that I have walked across Christ in the variety of circumstances before me. And I have confidence that He is my foundation nest. It's in Him that I find strength. It's through Him that I find courage. It's by Him that I find patience. And it's with Him that I find hope. The Christian has all of the power within that he needs to be adequate for the demands of life. The passage says that I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. By the way, that's an active participle. better way to translate it is I can do all things through Him who is continually strengthening me. Meaning day by day, moment by moment. I may not have enough strength for what comes tomorrow, but He's given me enough strength for that which comes today in Him. It's an endless strength. It's not the force. It's not trust in a positive attitude. It's confidence in the personhood of God. Did He not say, do you not know and have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. 
He will not grow tired or weary. And his understanding no one can fathom. He gives strength to the weary and he increases the power of the weak. Even youths grow tired and weary and young men stumble and fall. But those who hope in the Lord will renew their strength. They will soar on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not be faint. Paul's secret of contentment was continual dependence and reliance on Jesus Christ. Not on his circumstances, but on the one who has the power to empower him. You know, nature is full of hidden resources. Walk outside and we look at some of these massive trees that have been around for hundreds of years. Where do they draw their power? It would seem simply from the ground, they, where they intersect with the ground. But if we could excavate underneath, we would see the massive root structure that spreads out, pervades the ground to nourish it and give it strength. How do the rivers flow and the oceans surge? It's the snow caps, thousands of feet up in the air, thousands of miles away, that flow down the mountain into the water, nourishing and providing. How does the sun put out 15 million degrees Kelvin constantly and consistently? It's the hidden core that we cannot see, sustains it, strengthens it, empowers it. Where does our strength come from? Not in ourselves, but rather in the one who takes weak things and makes them strong. Who takes the things that are not and makes them that are. So what's your hidden resource? Your secret that no one knows? I can do all things through blank who strengthens me. Fill it in. I can do all things through my sheer will which gives me strength. I can do all things through my mind and my intellect which empowers me. I can do all things through my money and my financial security which stabilizes and strengthens me. My friends, we're called to live the contented life which is peace in the storm. And so have you learned the secret? Well, how will I know that I've learned the secret? You will know when this starts to become your default. When situations rise up against you, the streams rise, the winds blow, and you're not as rattled at the beginning. You're not panicked. Your first look is not to the circumstances, but rather to God who is Lord over the circumstances. So my friends, we have to dig deep. We have to go across the bridge. We have to kill the lion and the bear before we go up against Goliath. You have a divine appointment today. So have you come to trust Him? We trust those that we are convinced are trustworthy. Do you know His promises? what He will say and what He will do? 
Do you know His Word and what He has promised? So you put your feet on things that He actually has promised to give you. Run to Him in your circumstances. Go to your home base. Because contentment comes from confidence in His power and in His love. And contentment is confidence in motion. Brings me my final point. Living the contented life. So what, Carlos, I say. This has been great. Life awaits outside. I want to let you know that if you are a Christian, class is currently in session. There's a series of divine appointments waiting for you when you walk out that door. And it might be a burnt dinner or a long trip in the car or meeting with your in-laws. I'm not saying it's meeting with my in-laws, by the way. The point is that you're not a victim of your circumstances. Not a victim of your temperament, of your past, or other people. So recategorize your situations as opportunities. And cross the bridge. Jesus said that I am the vine and you are the branch. So take your challenge to Christ. I don't have enough patience, Lord. Help me. I don't know what to do. Tell me. I don't know what to say. Guide me. And the Lord will give you the answer that you need at that time. Even if that answer is simply hush and still. Pray. All prayer is, is confidence in motion. That God actually listens and can do something about my situation. Change your mindset. We must be single-minded in our confidence. Surrendering to Christ. Submitting to Him. A spiritual mind that fixes our eyes on things above. Not on things of the earth. Living by faith, not by sight. Trusting not in our feelings. But rather trusting that our feelings will align themselves after our faith. And we must walk in dependence, confidence, and contentment is learned. It is a secret. But at Redeemer, we're about maturing in Christ. And so my hope, prayer for you is, as this new year begins, your walk would more and more be less about you and more and more about Him. Less and less about your circumstances and more and more about the God who is in the center of you. We have the opportunity to experience a superhuman life. Not immune to cold and hunger and loneliness and deprivation, but rather experiencing the contentment that comes as God meets our needs according to the glorious riches that are in Jesus Christ. As you live the contented and confident life, you need no witness. Your life is your witness. And the glory of God will be made manifest. 
as the world sees that, yes, indeed, He is enough. He's more than enough. Let's pray. Lord, we thank You for Paul, a man who learned by experience the secret that contentment comes from confidence in You, confidence in motion, as we trust You day by day, moment by moment, to meet our needs. You're more than adequate. Lord, help us to test and taste and see that you are good for all who hunger after you. We pray all of these things in Christ's name. Amen. Before we take up our uh, last offering of 2015, actually, um, I want to remind all of our guests who are here that there's no obligation to make a donation unless you feel like the Lord is leading you to do that. Uh, so just want to make that clear at the beginning. Uh, there is a verse later on in uh, this chapter of Philippians.